Gracious God, we thank you for your sovereign power, how you uh, created the heavens and the earth from nothing, and how you continue to rule them and direct them by your providential power, directing all things to their perfect end. We ask that you would continue to guide us into all truth by your Holy Spirit, uh, teach us who you are, and teach us uh, how we should live in a world uh, of sin and death, that we can be uh, a light and a witness uh, to you and your glory and how you have uh, made salvation known in Jesus Christ. Help us keep our eyes fixed on him and help us uh, to have uh, the spirit that he gives us to uh, enable us to bear witness and to make disciples of all nations. And we lift these things up in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so if you'll turn with me in the book of Daniel, we are in Daniel chapter 5. As you turn there, um, let me just uh, kind of recap where we are. Um, so we've been emphasizing uh, thus far in the first four chapters um, how, how God is establishing the truth to Nebuchadnezzar of his sovereignty. Back in chapter 1, we saw Nebuchadnezzar took things from the temple of God in Jerusalem and brought them back uh, to Babylon as this um, physical demonstration of his superiority to the God of Israel. But subsequent to that act of Nebuchadnezzar, God has been showing himself and revealing himself to the king. In chapter 2, when the king is terrified uh, by a dream, um, it's only through um, God showing the dream and its interpretation to Daniel um, that the king uh, learns something. And he acknowledges that Daniel's God is a God that knows mysteries and can reveal hidden things. In chapter 3, uh, Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, when the king established a uh, golden statue, refused to fall down and worship it. And then the king, in his rage, threw them into a furnace, saying, what god can deliver you from my hand? And then we saw how the god did deliver them from his hand, um, protecting them and and at that point, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God um, uh, was powerful and could do things that no other uh, God uh, can. Um, and then last week in chapter 4, we saw Nebuchadnezzar experience the, have another dream. Um, uh, and this one led to his um, humiliation this terrified madness where he lived uh, like a beast for seven seasons. And it's only when uh, he lifted his eyes to heaven that his reason returned to him. And he blessed, chapter 4 ends with him blessing the Most High, praised and honored him who lives forever. And Nebuchadnezzar, in his own words, acknowledges his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven 
and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or save him. What have you done? So we've seen this kind of um, dramatic learning curve in King Nebuchadnezzar um, through the, the actions of God working in the lives of Daniel and his friends. So now we come to a new king. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets mentioned in chapter 5 and is an important part of um, Daniel's um, ministry to a new king, um, but we, we have a new king on the throne as we open chapter 5. So here now, the word of God from Daniel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, his concubines might drink out of them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and the, his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation, shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him the chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king called named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in, before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple 
and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up, and his spirit was hardened, so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind, and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords and your wives and his concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed, and this is the writing that, has been that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he open it in our hearts and minds as we discuss it this morning. All right, so chapter 5 begins abruptly. <laughs> uh, no transition, uh, no historical context. We just jump right in with King Belshazzar. So, um, so who is this King Belshazzar? And, uh, yeah, what, what strikes you about him? Yeah, Mike. He's a spoiled rich kid, <laughs> okay? <laughs> what makes you say that? Yeah, and in, in many ways, I, I, I like the rich kid thing in the sense that it's whatever glory and possessions he's have, it's all inherited, whereas Nebuchadnezzar went out and conquered stuff and then came back and was enjoying it. This Belshazzar did nothing. 
<laughs> um, and so he and he's he, he's not drinking out of vessels that he himself captured from someone else. He's he's living off, um, you know, the uh, the family legacy um, in a sense. Right. So um, so yeah. So he's a so Mike says he's a poor rich kid. Um, others, what what do we think of Belshazzar? Yeah, Bill. So yeah, so he he's um, a spoiled rich kid who is throwing a huge party, and in that huge party, he's committing idolatry. And and you know we ha twice have this list in verse four, and then what Bill just read um, in verse twenty-three. Um, the it's not just these um, praised his his false gods. Um, the Daniel is emphasizing. These are things made with human hands, gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, uh, wood, and stone. He's emphasizing the createdness of these gods. Whereas, you know, what has been um, the, the instruction of the book, um, of the instruction of Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar is that there is a God who isn't like these gods, isn't like these. So, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, by the end of his life, the book of Daniel tells us, you know, learns that there is a, a God who has power, who is, who has a kingdom that's everlasting. Um, and yet here you have uh, this descendant of Nebuchadnezzar who should have known these things, um, but is, is acting in, you know, kind of this uh, reverted back to idolatry or knowing a better, more excellent path that Nebuchadnezzar took, purposely chose to uh, take this path, path of worshiping gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So it's purposeful idolatry um, as well as purposeful hedonism. That Daniel has, you know, and um, so Belshazzar wasn't directly after Nebuchadnezzar. There were a couple of um, intervening short lives, um, Babylonian kings. So a period of time has passed, though, uh, between um, Nebuchadnezzar's death and the fall of Babylon. And we're literally like, you know, the end of, <laughs> the end of Babylon is the end of this chapter. Um, or the Babylonian kingdom, rather. Babylon is a city, basically. So, um, so, so some time has passed, but not 
not that much. Um, so he, he should know. Um, but he, and, and you see, like, some of his, when Daniel shows up, like, you know, he emphasizes, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. Like, you know, so maybe he's kind of shunted Daniel from aside, aside partly because of who he is and where he's from, because he emphasizes twice there that he's from Judah. Oh, yeah, we conquered those people. Like, who's this guy? You know, and so with the change of regime, um, Daniel has, has clearly fallen out of that first line of, of counselors and wisdom. But notice Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing last chapter with, like, Daniel was almost an afterthought. Like, he brought everybody else in and then asked him. So in some sense, uh, Belshazzar's continuing that pattern. But in this, like you say, it's almost like he doesn't even know Daniel exists. Yeah, some sources, so um, the siege of Babylon, like, um, some say it fell without a siege, some say it fell with a siege, um, some say Belshazzar fought a battle against um, uh, Cyrus and the Medo-Persians and got his tail kicked and then fled back to Babylon, but yeah, you're right, he, um, the, the way the different accounts are put together is He's retreated back into Babylon and is trusting in the walls of Babylon to save them. Like the way the stories go, Babylon could have held out, had enough food within it to hold out for years. It had the Euphrates River, so water wasn't a problem. So, yeah, here's a guy who has um, been defeated in battle and has come back and is, as you say, is throwing an enormous party um, uh, while the Medo-Persian army is, is, is at the door. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, which is um, why the, the fall is so sudden. Like, how can another, like in one night, how can Babylon fall? Um, uh, it's interesting, though, that Daniel's, you know, focusing on the spiritual aspects here, not the historic, like, um, which, again, like, you know, he, he just jumps into King Belshazzar. He doesn't tell us what the situation is with Babylon. His focus is on this, this character, the Belshazzar's heart, which is clearly um, hardened against God. Um, clearly, even though he's, um, he's in this um, diminished position in terms of power, is still, you know, living it up um, in what happens to be his last days. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so um, as you say, um, uh, Daniel seems to have been forgotten by the current regime. So when the queen, and the queen is probably um, the queen mother, um, so, um, so Belshazzar's um, uh, mother comes, hasn't been at this banquet, hears the commotion,
comes in. Um, so how does the queen in reintroduce Daniel to the court? Like, what does she emphasize about him as he's describing him? Yeah, and the holy gods, again, if you look at your little note, because that's Elohim, it could be singular or plural, so that, yes, he goes and make it plural, but it could be the spirit of God, um, uh, um, depending on, like, what we think she's saying here. But, um, so, you know, she's recognizing him as someone who has all these capabilities, um, you know, he, he has knowledge, he has understanding to interpret dreams, he can explain riddles, he can solve problems. But at the root of it, she's, she's attributing to Daniel a, a spiritual power, that it, there's a spirit of the holy gods in him. Um, and so she's acknowledging that he's not just a, a smart guy, um, he's a guy who uh, um, has... Um, this power, supernatural power, um, from his relationship to, to God. Good. What else would you say about how she introduces him? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, so, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> she's been avoiding, one, the party, um, and she hasn't come in, um, and I'm sorry, we kind of skipped over, like, his reaction. So, you know, why, why does the handwriting on the wall terrify him so much? And um, the, the, his limbs gave way, um, that, that literally, is, the joints of his hip were, were, loosened, which could be a euphemism for he soiled himself. Uh, <laughs> um, but but what, what do we, um, what is this handwriting on the wall? Why is it so terrifying to us that he, he's kind of undone by it? Yeah, so that's the interpret the the meaning of the words. But at this point, he just sees the words. So and it it kind of like you know the way it says he he's calling it. He it's almost like, like he can't read it. Like whoever reads this writing and chosen interpretation. So at this point, presumably it, it sounds like he doesn't even know what the words mean um, or what the words are, uh, much less what they mean. So. 
before he gets to knowing what they mean, he's terrified prior to it's just the act of the word showing up is what causes him to become kind of unglued. Highly unusual. And, you know, his color, uh, I mean, I, it, all these words that Daniel uses to describe it, his color changed. He's greatly alarmed. Um, his knees are knocking against each other. Like, um, it's, it's terror that has a physical manifestation. Um, and we saw with Nebuchadnezzar that his heart was troubled and sleep left him, but this seems to be taking it to another degree. Um, in Belshazzar, you know, the fear that has come upon him, just from the act of the hand showing up. And, and it's, Daniel emphasizes that the king saw it, you know, that the hand as it wrote. So it wasn't just, hey, somebody committed some graffiti on my wall. Like, he saw that these fingers um, of a human hand just showed up um, and, and wrote in the plaster, and, and the king is undone by it. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's emphasizing the king saw the writing in the act of it doing. And um, because it's um, opposite the lampstand, like, again, you know, this, um, they're parting, it's night, like, there's lots of lampstands. Um, so the king has an immediate view, I, I think is what Daniel's emphasizing, of the act of the writing. And then the writing is visible to everyone else as it happened, but the king, like, no, a hand, fingers, <laughs> wrote on the wall, no body, <laughs> uh, just uh, a, a hand, um, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the hand from the Adam family, <laughs> that kind of like a hand that's mobile all by itself, um, it sees it, and again, like the walls of a, a, a king's palace, are usually heavily inscribed with the deeds of kings. Like, you know, if you ever go to, like, you know, you get these, see these um, um, an enormous um, uh, reliefs, yeah, you know, and, like, the British Museum has them. Like, they're usually the deeds of the kings, like, either written descriptions or shown in, in pictographs, you know, um, you know, the king hunting lions um, is a great one in the British Museum. Like, and it shows the king out, you know, and describing his great deeds and killing all these lions. So the walls of the king's palace is usually the place where the deeds of the king are inscribed. And here we have um, judgment being written uh, on the wall that the king has seen. Like, so rather than the king inscribing his great deeds on the wall, um, these words are showing up and terrifying. 
Yeah, so uh, in the, the words, yeah, in Hebrew, and again, we don't know, this chapter's all in um, coming in Aramaic, so we're still in the Aramaic section of, of Daniel. But you're right, he's doing, you know, Hebrew, um, uh, which I'm so thankful that um, modern Hebrew adds in little things to do the vowels, otherwise I'd never be able to read it. Um, uh, you know, but it, it's, you know, Hebrew just has the consonants. It doesn't have the vowels. And as David says, you know, you can have the same set of consonants um, and depending on which vowels you put in, it could either be the noun or the verb form, depending specifically on, on what vowel you're adding to the consonants. But it might be the same three uh, uh, consonants there. So, um, uh, um, yeah, so it, it, if the writing is in Hebrew, then it makes sense that Daniel's the only one who can read it, and it, it does kind of seem to be that way. Um, in terms of um, how he's, the connection between the words and their interpretation. Yeah, and again, like, um, he could be um, um, Belshazzar's grandfather, because again, there are two other Babylonian kings in between them. Um, Hebrew doesn't um, have a word, specific word for grandfather, so father can be your literal father, it can be your grandfather, it could be you know, your ancestors in general, so like, you know, he was laid to rest with his fathers, doesn't mean he had more than one father, it means he laid to rest with his, his ancestors. Um, but yeah, but emphasizing, and Nebuchadnezzar, like, I, I, you know, you're right that the text is putting emphasis on Nebuchadnezzar, you know, with this, this repetition. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king. Um, and Daniel's going to do the same thing when he comes it. So it's putting a spotlight on there's something very different about Nebuchadnezzar and, and Belshazzar, like that. Um, you need to be thinking about Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you don't need, um, I'm trying to remember what the intermediate Babylonian, like Ebel, Merodach, uh, and Nebonini? There are two, I'm trying to remember what the two kings in between are. But anyway, he's skipping back between, you know, don't think of those two guys. Think of Nebuchadnezzar. Think of Nebuchadnezzar and his kingship. Um, what, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's kingship uh, was glorious, but he also had this humbling. Um, and that's who you need to think about. And you need to think about Nebuchadnezzar in terms of, you know, who he got counsel from. And he got counsel from this Daniel, um, whom the king named Belshazzar, but she's referring to, again, it's significant, she's referring to him not by the name given to him to honor Nebuchadnezzar's God, but she's referring to him in his uh, Jewish name, and she's pointing back to the king Nebuchadnezzar, which we'll see Daniel does the same thing 
when he uh, is presented before King Belshazzar. All right, well, let's talk some about um, their... Um, so Daniel's finally brought in. Um, so how do Daniel and the king interact with each other? And, um, yeah, what does is, what is Daniel emphasize in his address to the king? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what 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 does Daniel emphasize in his history lesson? Yeah, that he he starts with that that context of I, I'm not here to get back in good favor with a new regime. I'm, you know, like we've seen that repeatedly. Daniel's not interested in playing the politics game. Um, he isn't interested. He's not doing this for the rewards. Um, you know, let your gifts be here for yourself. Give your rewards to somebody else. But I'll read the writing and give you the interpretation um, because he's there for um, the the principle, um, he's not there for the politics. So yeah, so he, he sets that that context just as he did with Nebuchadnezzar. Like you know, you know, uh, he's always clear. This isn't a power I possess. Nobody can um, uh, reveal a dream, but God can, and God's given this um, revelation to me. To teach you something, O king. And he, so, as you say, Jay, he's always sets the context of that this is the spiritual purpose for why I'm here. And then he goes into a, a history lesson. Good. So, what does he emphasize in his history lesson? It's a servant. <laughs> um, he, he's giving them, like, it's not just interpreting the dream or the handwriting on the wall for him. He's giving them a sermon. Um, and the sermon starts with, let's, let's look at a true version of history. And the true version of history is, yeah, your, your, your grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar, was pretty glorious um, and uh, had a greatness um, but where did that greatness come from? It came, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar kingship, greatness, glory, majesty. And because that, Nebuchadnezzar could act certain ways. Like, so, yes, Nebuchadnezzar was powerful, you know, and he dictated, had people's lives in his hands. He could kill whom he 
who he wanted to kill. He could save who he wanted to save. Um, but where did that power come from? That power was subordinate to the power of God Almighty. Um, and Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that lesson the hard way. When his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down. Um, and his glory uh, was taken from him. And then it goes into this long description of what we saw last time. Um, uh, you know, the, the effects of Nebuchadnezzar's madness that he's driven out, lives among the beasts until he has that moment of recognition um, that until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. So until that moment that Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged his subordination to, to, to God, um, he, he was stricken with madness. He had to be humbled, and not just humbled, uh, humiliated. Um, uh, but so, so Daniel's emphasizing this history lesson, which has the point that God is sovereign over all kings. And God, that God chose to give this lesson to Nebuchadnezzar. And Belshazzar um, needs to be humbled as well. But note that his humbling isn't coming like we saw last time. You know, God is working on Nebuchadnezzar by not just striking him dead, but striking him with madness, giving this opportunity for repentance. Whereas Belshazzar, um, the judgment is coming right on the heels of his learning this lesson. So, um, you know, it, the judgment's coming pretty swift. Yeah, absolutely. That we he's he's this is very you're absolutely right, Victor. This is very different from how he you know, like think of Nebuchadnezzar, like what we saw uh last week. Oh king, let this be on you know, fall happen to your enemies, not you. Like if only this um was coming to someone else. None of that here. <laughs> Keep your stuff. Let me gonna tell what's gonna happen to you. <laughs> um but you know, he, he's being super direct. And he's getting straight to the point, um, you know, of, of the, the arrogance that Belshazzar um, possesses. You've not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. Like, you know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. You, you know, it, you know um, the story of his humiliation. And yet, you brought in the things of um, from taken from the temple in Jerusalem and you're using them as part of a party, things dedicated to the Most High God and you're making toast to these gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, stone, which do not see or hear or know. Like You know that there was a God who humbled Nebuchadnezzar 
and you chose to act, um, you know, in complete opposite of how you should have acted. You saw how Nebuchadnezzar got humbled, but you refused to humble yourself. Um, and you refused to, um, to acknowledge the God, and I, I love this description, in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways. Like, there's a God who is, is um, upholding you and can, can drop you <laughs> or take your breath in a single moment. Nebuchadnezzar learns that. You, Belshazzar, didn't. Um, you didn't learn. You didn't listen. And you acted, um, you played the fool by trying to restore um, this sense of grandeur and greatness and authority over uh, the God of Israel by playing with that God of Israel's stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, this is the first time we've heard uh, about these things since chapter 1. Like, again, we saw in chapter 1 how um, uh, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So again, Daniel's already emphasized in classic Near Eastern um, symbolic fashion, I capture you, my God is superior to your God, I'm going to demonstrate that superiority by taking your God's stuff and putting it in the temple of my God. And now um, we've seen how God, over the chapters of Daniel, has taught Nebuchadnezzar that he's not like all these other gods that are, are made of material things, that he is a real God, a true God. Um, and so the so Nebuchadnezzar has been hammered <laughs> chapter after chapter with this truth. And now we come to a totally new king who knows the events of the previous chapters and yet is acting in a very different fashion and trying to reassert the, his superiority and the superiority of his gods and his power over the God of Israel. And the God of Israel is not having any of it. So the, the smackdown's coming very quickly. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that there is some suppression of um, of the truth here, like like. He's chosen not to know, <laughs> or, or he, he knows, but he's chosen, choosing not to act on what is known. And, um, you know, he, he's for, forgotten, like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, forgotten, willfully ignoring, uh, Yeah, like he's, um, and this, 
Yeah, the enemy, uh, as as Brian said earlier, the what in the background of this, the enemy's at the gates. Like, you know, um, you know, the the Medes and Persians are um, besieging Babylon, and he's throwing a party, an enormous party, thousands of guests. Like, so there there's all kinds of um, acting contrary to. To what the facts of life would tell you to, <laughs> to act. Um, so I like this kind of, you know, the purposeful forgetting um, or purposefully ignoring um, the truths around him um, that other people know. You know, the the queen knows that there was a, a guy that Nebuchadnezzar relied heavily on who had uh, an excellent spirit knowledge, understanding, and you've forgotten him or, you know, and re have removed him from among your counselors. Like, you, you've chosen to spurn wisdom um, and pursue this other path. And, and you know the story of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, you know, uh, you know all this, um, but you still haven't humbled your heart. Um, and it's that's what sin is and does. Like it's a purposely acting um, uh, contrary uh, to a known truth that there is a God whom you owe allegiance, and you're choosing to rebel and act against that God. Yeah, I mean, what is documented is, you know, whereas when Nebuchadnezzar, you know, learned lessons, um, you know, his, at the end of every chapter, um, so end of chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel um, truly, and said, truly your God is God of gods, Lord of kings, revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. The end of chapter three, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their god. And then the end of chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. So at every step along the way, Nebuchadnezzar maybe doesn't fully understand who that God is yet, because like as we talked about, it's the God of Daniel, and then it's the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then finally it's the Most High God. It's not just a God of particular people. Um, it's 
the most high God. So, again, he's, he's learning more about this God. But every time something's revealed to him, he's acknowledging the power of God. With Belshazzar, we've got none of that, right? He does what um, he said he was going to do, um, but he, he clothes Daniel with purple, chain of gold, put around his neck. Proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. But no sign that he's gotten the message that's just been given to him, that's just been revealed to him. Like, so we don't need to, like, speculate over, like, did he have dreams or things like that. We, we don't need to. Like, we, we've got the response here. You know, whereas in every prior chapter, when God has revealed something to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has, has responded by acknowledging the power of that God and blessing that God. Here, um, the God in whose hand is your breath and whose all your ways you've not honored does he honor him now? No. Um, he honors Daniel. Um, well, thanks for, for coming in and making this known to me. And here, like, I'm going to keep my promises. Like, he's still hanging on to that sense that he has power, um, that he has control. Look, I can make, uh, I can give people, um, you know, royal robes, and I can... Um, honor them with positions of power. I'm still in control. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. Like, he thinks, like, he's still stubbornly holding on to that sense that I have power, that I have control. He's refusing to humble himself, to acknowledge his sin, to acknowledge the existence and power and control of this God who, like, like the Jonathan Edwards sermon, was like holding him over a, like a spider, hung over a fire by a thread. <laughs> like, all you got to do is let it go. And, and that's the position, you know, Belshazzar's in. That's the position all of us are in. Like, you know, and it's the thing, um, you know, uh, times I've, um, sometimes I've dealt with, like, you know, people stubbornly continue on sinning, and I'm like, you understand that your rebellion, that, you know, God's giving you the ability to rebel. Like, you know, He's letting you continue to stand. Um, like, even this act of rebellion is a, you know, the time to do it is something that God has given you. Like, you don't even have power over that. Like, He can take your life. In an instant, um, he can take your sanity in an instant, as we saw last week. Your life is in God's hands, and that's the, the message of this chapter. And the response to knowing your life is in God's hands is to repent and honor that God. And Belshazzar doesn't do it. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar seems to have done that. Like every time we saw him, he again can't say fully what's in his heart, but his words are acknowledging and blessing the Most High God. Yeah, and, uh, you know, 
again, like the phrase there, spirit of the holy gods, that could be, it could be the spirit of Elohim, the God. Like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, plural there. And that's what the footnote says, or spirit of God. Like she clearly has knowledge and, and she attributes that Daniel isn't just a smart, wise counselor. He is someone who has a close relationship with a powerful God that you need to listen to. Um, so yeah, she is directing the king to Daniel um, because she knows the king, Daniel is going to direct the king to God. And that's what Daniel does. Like he, he you know, um, directly without any of the usual um, uh, uh, courtly protocol gives this powerful direct message to Belshazzar you know clearly exposes his sin to him exposes his his willful forgetting or ignoring the truth of what God has said already that he knows what God has said he knows what God has done in the life of Nebuchadnezzar and yet he's choosing to act still as if he controls his life um, he still acts as if he is independent of that God, and he's not. You know, just as Nebuchadnezzar, whatever power, authority, greatness he had as a gift of God, so too with Belshazzar. Except Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that fact um, by the end, humbled himself um, after God humbled him. Um, you know, acknowledged the truth of of this Most High God. And Belshazzar doesn't, you know, and it's this, uh, you know, with this two chapters, we've got this great comparison of a repentant and an unrepentant sinner. Both of them are committing the same sin. Both of them are um, lifting themselves up against the Lord of heaven. I mean, that's what Nebuchadnezzar, you know. That, that statement he had, you know, wow, is this not great Babylon, which I've built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Like, aren't I great? Uh, and I'm powerful, and it's all by my power and doing. No, it's gifts. And that's what Belshazzar is doing the same thing. Like, I can throw a splendid party, and I can drink out of whatever God's cups I want to, and I can promote people uh, to whatever part of the kingdom I want. I, I want to put them. I can fill them up. I can tear them down. Aren't I powerful? Uh, one repents and one doesn't.
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. The way when Daniel's brought in, like he's still trying to play the game of superiority, uh, still trying to play the game of self-elevation, um, you, know, you know, trying to start the conversations by putting Daniel in his place. Like, yep, you're, you're here because we captured your, your people and you're conquered and you're brought here to serve us. And so now, you know, serve me. Um, and, and as Victor said, like, Dan's like, keep your stuff. <laughs> uh, I, you know, you can't give me anything. Um, it's only God who gives you the power to rule um, who I, I want to acknowledge, whose authority I want to um, bend the knee to. And that God, you need to humble yourself before immediately. And unlike um, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar doesn't um, acknowledge that God. Yeah, he's slipped back into this default mode. Oh, God. And, and I, I think the chapter is emphasizing that point with, you know, this phrase, you know, the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron, wood and stone. Like, emphasizing the material, limited, derivative nature of, of these gods. And he's defaulted back to that mode. And, you know, he's back to the mode, like Nebuchadnezzar said when... Um, you know, he's about to throw the, the three into the fiery furnace. Who's the God who will deliver you out of my hand? Like this asserting superiority even over the, yeah, the gods. You know, it's almost this sense that they have that they know they're created things and we made them and they're subject to us rather than we being subject to him. And he, he's defaulted back into this, sense of self-superiority and even superiority over the gods.
and in, involves, just like we see with Belshazzar, it, it, it's purposeful suppression of truth they know. Um, and we need to end. Um, so, but I want to end, uh, I think a good place to end, based on where our conversation has gone, is from the first chapter of Romans. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And I think that's a great um, definition of, of what, um, of description and definition of Belshazzar and of all unrepentant sinners. And it gets to the heart, <laughs> a humble heart or a prideful heart. Um, all right, well, we, we're beyond our time, so let me close this in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for um, your showing yourself to us and uh, humbling us. Uh, we acknowledge your um, goodness to us that uh, all things, even the very um, breath uh, within us, is gift from you and help us to live in light of that truth and to be witnesses of that truth uh, to others and to, um, uh, to clearly present to them who you are and what you've done and that the only hope uh, in this life and in the next comes from you. Uh, help us now uh, in this coming hour as we gather to worship you, we pray. In Christ's name, by the power of your spirit, amen.